to the AFL Ratings Podcast, Round 6 Wrap. My name is Pete. I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryans. How are you, Aaron? Good, Pete. Uh, a couple more games to go in the round, but um, so far it's, yeah, I've been pretty solid so far. Yeah, certainly recording Sunday night with two games to go. You covered for ABC a comprehensive win by Port Adelaide over West Coast. Yeah, on reflection, actually, I should say maybe my weekend was... Um, a little frustrating at times. I mean, <laughs> when, when you've got West Coast coming your way, it's always uh, you're always uncertain about what you're going to get. And I mean, to be honest, I was a little surprised. They actually turned up for at least the majority of the first term. They put up a fight in the back half as well once the game was kind of over. So um, Port Adelaide winners by 40 points. In the end, they put their foot down when they needed to, and it was a little bit of a nothing game. We saw some glimpses from some of the kids of the Eagles and also Ollie Lord at Port Adelaide. Um, but the power now, three straight wins, and, and West Coast is just, you know, an injury-riddled um, kind of rabble at the moment. They, they've they got so many senior players out, but also their kids just don't have enough game experience because of how they've played the team the last few years that they're going to be stuck down there for a while, I think, because they just don't have the top-tier elite talent in terms of first-round picks to really rejuvenate the squad quickly enough, so... Um, yeah, they, they were better than I expected, but it certainly was an afternoon to forget. Yeah, it certainly is uh, um, hard to see them get out of their short-term pain with regards to injuries, uh, but it's a better system than it was last year, so Adam Simpson and his coaching staff have implemented a change in game style, and I can see they come through there. It looks pretty solid, so once they get a healthy list, but, you know, when is that going to be? It's certainly not going to be for a sustained period this year and, you know, into next year as well. They're in, they're in full-blown rebuild mode there as well so it's going to be a little bit of pain for West Coast supporters so let's move on to the Port Adelaide versus West Coast wrap so Connor Rosie superb again through the midfield also hitting the scoreboard there yeah I mean he was electric uh, again he's clearly Port Adelaide's best midfielder right now which is funny because obviously there's a Brownlow medalist involved and um, I, I guess the, the best part about his performance across the weekend was that Kent Hinckley certainly utilised the entirety of his midfield depth across the day I mean we saw in the first term, even at the first bounce, Jason Horn Francis was was injected with Willem Drew and Connor Rosie, and then that that kind of rotated across the day. Where at times it was Wines and Butters in there, but Rosie always felt like the pillar that kind of never really moved. He was the one that they everyone built around. So, you know, the, the highest CBAs easily of the club, 29 touches. Um, it's amazing in the space of a couple of years how quickly he showed up. But yeah, he's he's definitely going to win. I mean, unless something dramatic happens, he's definitely going to win another best and fairest. Um, he won the Peter Badko medal on the weekend as part of the Anzac round as well, which was, again, back-to-back. So, yeah, he's, he's stringing together some really good form and getting on the scoreboard. So uh, I was incredibly impressed to the point now where it's it's just routine. He's been putting together a really strong year. Certainly has. So on to Ollie Lord on debut, showed some decent signs early, but he's certainly still a, a raw product. Yeah, I really liked him. Uh, I mean, his, his kicking was a bit inaccurate, obviously, because he is, you know, just a kid, and he was kind of uh, almost the talisman for the footy club at times, because Todd Marshall got subbed out with concussion, and um, you know, Charlie Dixon wasn't in the team as a result of his knee soreness, so he, he was kind of the main man, alongside Jeremy Finlayson, who kicked five, but Oli Lord certainly was the one coming out of the goal square, and, and I really liked what he offered. He let out strong. He pushed himself up the ground to try and fight for the footy. Um, he won a couple of one-on-ones in the air as well, which is always exciting. And, and yeah, his, his kicking was a little wayward. But for a first game, or I, I saw enough that 
he could be the replacement for Charlie Dixon long term. That that's what Port Adelaide are hoping for internally. That the rumblings are that they do want him to be in that role eventually, and they drafted him to be that in the draft class that he was in back in 2020. The the feeling was that he was one of the better forwards available, and they were surprised they got him so late. And um, and then he ended up being played down back last year in the Sandfield pool, just to uh, purely just to help him get his hands on the footy and work out one on ones a little better because he was kind of struggling. Um, I mean, when he came into the side, he was fresh out of high school, so he'd never really played against men. So they decided to put him down back, learn his craft there, and and now he's debuted as a key forward. And yeah, there's there's a lot of promising signs with this kid. Yeah, couldn't agree more there. So on to Bryn Teagle. He he comes in for Scott Lysette. Uh Teagle was good early, while Jeremy Finlayson provided excellent support there as well. Yeah, I think, um, albeit against Bailey Williams, who again, most rucks these days can drop 30 hitouts on, he's, he actually had a very good game himself. Bailey Williams, probably the best that I've seen him play. But Brent Teagle was kind of everything Port Adelaide's after because Jeremy Finlayson is almost an extra midfielder as a ruck and helps them win clearances but doesn't really compete in the air. Teagle did that. He, he won his fair share of hitouts but still got around the ground, still found plenty of his own footy. Uh, and was dangerous heading towards the forward line as well. So uh, I think he's that mobile ruckman Port Adelaide are chasing. They they were really impressed by him last year, even though he played you know the limited games he did because of injury. Um, they always felt that he was going to be the next guy. I think which is why Sam Hayes has kind of disappeared so quickly. Is he's just not an around the grounds ruckman. He's more your traditional tall tap ruck. So I think Teagle. Yeah, again, we're looking into the future with Port Adelaide, which is a good way to do it when you're against West Coast in a game they, they probably were going to win. Um, to not pick Lysett, to have Dixon out and go with Teekle and Lord, I think those two have shown that, yeah, they, they could be there round one next year. If if they decide to blow it up and say, look, Ken Hinkley's going at the end of the year, we didn't make the top four. And, um, and that doesn't mean a full rebuild because they've got enough young stars like Rosie and Butters um, and even Horn Francis to just keep them going. But Teagle and Lord kind of feel like the next gen. On to the next one. So Joy Kelly copped a knock in the first half against Port Adelaide, but finished the game well, finishing with four goals. Yeah, really interesting role. Um, I kind of thought when they picked him up, he he was going to be more of an inside midfielder, but yeah, he definitely was more in the forward line and and just um, yeah, a bit of an X factor. Bobbed up at times, fought hard for the footy. Obviously, with the four majors is is a great result. Um, and to pop back out the way that he did after Jonas collected him, you know, Jonas will be, has been suspended or offered a suspension one week for that. But, um, yeah, I think he basically just had a cut above his eyebrow, came off and then ended up finishing out the game. So, um, I mean, limited touches, but, yeah, it's an interesting role for him. I guess that maybe comes down to the fact that the Eagles don't have a lot of options around the ground and um, they decided to, to put him more around half forward. And, yeah, he certainly delivered there. Yeah, certainly uh, West Coast limited on availability of players, uh, some players playing uh, different roles, and that would be one Kelly moving forward there as well. So on to the last West Coast player here, Tim Kelly was strong through the midfield, and once that game opened up a little bit and the result was known, uh, he got to work and was strong in that uh, West Coast midfield. Yeah, it's it's a funny one with Tim Kelly in that he's, he's really starting to be the player that we all wanted him to be. I think he showed signs of that at Geelong, and West Coast was so eager to get him back, and it was just that year too late that they gave up so much when they could have given over Jared Brander the year prior. Um, now we're seeing the elite version of Tim Kelly, who's averaging nearly 30 touches a game and is going to win their best and fairest. Uh, he, he's clearly the best player out there at the moment, but unfortunately it's, it's almost too little too late. You know, he's 28, turning 29, and 
and this list isn't going to win a flag anytime soon. So, um, you know, he's basically going to play out his days as an eagle, and um, he's certainly, you know, showing the, the caliber of a player that he is, but unfortunately it is just a year too late. Okay, on to Port Adelaide versus West Coast Fantasy Wrap. So 133 points for Connor Rizzi, and uh, he was pretty solid. Yeah, I think he's only had the the one down game this year, which is uh, an incredibly exciting result for those who started with him as a, as a premium that we personally, I think a lot of us felt that he was going to be 100 averaging forward. And I think with the 133, he's bang on that now. He's 99.8. So, um, yeah, he's very reliable. As we've touched on before, he, he finds plenty of the footy. He's a, an all-round kind of player, so he can get points from anywhere. I don't see him losing his spot anytime soon because he is the best midfielder that they have despite the amount of depth that's there. So, um, yeah, incredibly reliable premium, probably still gettable considering he did have that one down game of the 69 points a couple of weeks ago. But, um, yeah, this will this will basically level him out or bottom him out. So uh, he's only going to be more and more expensive from here. So you might want to get on if you haven't. Next one here, 97 points from Kelly, as we just mentioned there a minute ago. Uh, but if West Coast aren't going to be that competitive, you've got to imagine that Kelly's not going to see that much attention throughout the season, the rest of the season there. So 97 points, and you know he won't be looked at by many, but the, the numbers could be there. Yeah, it ends a run of, of four straight hundreds, and he almost made it five. He's you know a kick away. So, and you're bang on. I think there's no need to tag him because West Coast just aren't competitive enough. So. He'll clearly get free run. He's their best midfielder, so he's going to rack it up. And um, historically, as I mentioned, you know, the past couple of years he's been on and off. So at times you wanted to get on him when he dropped big scores, but then he'd start pulling 80s or 70s, and he just never was really worth the investment. But we're seeing a consistent run of form here by Tim Kelly now against some tough opponents. Like they've still got a pretty awful run to come from here. I mean, Carlton next week, Richmond, and, and the Suns. After that, it gets a little easier. And after the next fortnight, so. Um, yeah, I mean, he's probably good value right now. He's still mid 800s and a- averaging um, 104. So yeah, he could easily push towards 900,000. In considering the, the state of the game at the moment, where our you know premium midfielders aren't really delivering consistently, um, Tim Kelly may be one that if you're looking for an upgrade this week, he'd be good to get on. Next one here, Jaden Hunt it was a quiet start to his game, but again, that once that game opened up, he just found a stack of it late. He finished with he yeah. finished with 90 points, yeah. Yeah, I think you, you nailed it there with that final term as well. He got got plenty of plus, six, uh, plus sixes in, in junk time. But, yeah, it's it's a funny one. I think, you know, Shannon Hearn's obviously out for a while now. It feels like he's getting a fair few kick-ins. Uh, and then, yeah, the Eagles are constantly trying to switch it across half-back because they just don't really have the options up forward in terms of bleeding out and trying to break through almost centre wing. So... Yeah, he found plenty of the footy. Um, and again, incredible value. Like his break-even was 36 and he dropped the 90. So uh, I, the only issue I had with him and the reason why I didn't bring him in was um, he's probably not like set and forget. At some point, you are going to have to upgrade him to a top-six defender. So it's it's that extra trade down the line. But if you're looking to make money, um, he's certainly a great get, purely because of his role, the fact that there is no one trying to you know take that away from him because everyone's out for long periods of time. Um, it's just that, yeah, historically, especially at the Demons, obviously, he he was never a great scorer. So this this has kind of been new club, right price kind of vibes, where he's yeah he's just taken that next step and 
and finding a lot more of the footy. Yeah, and if West Coast if he can see their stack of inside fifties throughout the remainder of the season, and if he stays at half back in that role and a wing and half back or just around that area, um, he's going to be utilised quite often coming out of defence. And obviously those scores are going to be there. Obviously a, a pretty decent value still there as well. On to the next one here, Zach Butters, 88 points. It seems to be around about his average, I would, I would say. I'm not too sure if you agree with that one. Yeah, I was kind of hoping in pre-season he'd, he'd be around 100. I, I thought he was really good value. And the AC joint injury in the pre-season limited him. And then he, he popped up with the 110 last week. It felt like he was back to his best. And to be honest, he had a really good game on the weekend as well. I know the 88 doesn't reflect that. But he had a really slow start. And a lot of that was technically mixing around with that full, uh, that midfield mix. Like I honestly think the best three, uh, what we saw against Brisbane in the third term, uh, what we saw last week against the Dogs in, in the final term is is a Butters, Rosie, Horn Francis combination. But, you know, you have to get wines in there. Drew can tag. So they have other options. Boke was trying to get in there a bit, but I, I honestly think he's he's past his best. So Butters can be a 100-player. It's just that role is just so uncertain, and there would have been a lot of people who got on purely because he bottomed out. But um, the 88 kind of slows him down again. He, has, he won't generate a lot of cash, and he'll be stuck around that 700K mark. So... I mean, you're probably just waiting for an injury or something to, to free him up a little bit. Otherwise, he's going to be up and down while depending on the opponent and depending on that midfield mix because he just doesn't have that certainty that Connor Rosie does. Okay, on to round six fantasy reps and notable scores here. So Marcus Bontempelli, a massive game from him, uh, 148 points hitting the scoreboard there as well. Yeah, huge and, and putting together a really nice season, to be honest. Like, I mean, he's three straight hundreds, and obviously the 148 is his season high, but he had, you know, three 90s before that, which isn't terrible. It wasn't great, obviously, but a lot of players starting the year weren't putting together strong scores. So, yeah, he, he's really capitalising. Um, and the other issue is, you know, Libertore is now out next week. Bailey Smith will come back in, but I think, I think he's actually more pure midfielder now. Like, he's certainly getting a lot more... Um, opportunities at times when he used to be floated forward. A lot of that used to be because of his injury, and it feels like he's over that. He's going to be up there in the brown low as well, which is really exciting. Um, you know, For so many years, we've, we've waited to see a, a full season of Marcus Pontempelli at his best, and, and maybe this is the year. Um, yeah, again, an all-round performance, 31 touches, 10 tackles, 2 goals. So, um, you know, he and Trelaw feel like the best picks of the dogs' midfielders right now, which is which is you know interesting because Jack McRae is obviously a multiple-time All Australian that just doesn't have the role with Luke Beveridge this year. On to Saturday, Stephen Kinnear, one thirty-five points. I'm going to wrap him up here with Josh Kelly, one twenty-five points. Seems like they fit well into that GWS midfield. Quite an open game there at Manuka Oval. Obviously, no Tom Green there as well. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's why he got as high as he did. He obviously had a really strong start, Stephen Kinnear, and um, I was up against someone who didn't, who did have him, and I was kind of panicking about how much he could get to. And 135 almost seems like a, an okay result, the rate he was going. But yeah, I mean, no Tom Green probably helped that a bit with him and Kelly. They they both obviously 120 plus, but um, that midfield seems pretty set. I mean, Cornelio Kelly and even Green when he's back in are other three. Um, at, at times we used to see, you know, Whitfield rotated in. He's definitely more of a halfback now and not really getting those chances. Toby Green is 100% a forward, and he obviously had time in the midfield before. Lockie Ash isn't getting any there. So I, I think they're actually, you know, they've decided now that under Adam Kingsley that this is it. You know, these are our best three midfielders, and that's what we're going to use for most of our centre bounces. And, and Cornelio's reaping those rewards. He'll, he'll lose his DPP status next year. But for now, you know, 
what a great ride it is to have, to have him down there in the forward line. So, um, yeah, massive result for those guys. Yeah, adding to that uh, top three there for GWS, so Perryman should be number four there as well. So uh, probably should be a pretty strong core rotation there for the GWS uh, centre bouncers there. So onto the Sunday game. So Rory there, 120 points. Uh, Crow's lucky to get over the Hawks in the end, but he was quite solid. Yeah, I wasn't overly impressed. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, you go amazing that he got to 120, but he was tagged in the first half by Connor Nash, and it wasn't hard tag, but he certainly had attention. And the reason that I say that I wasn't overly impressed from a fantasy perspective is it was a ton of handballs. Uh, it wasn't looking great at halftime, and, and a lot of his score has come from the tackling. It was a very contested game uh, down at Tasmania. The Hawks really put the pressure on. So, so Led had 12 tackles, which helps him get to the 120, but we've seen a couple of times across this year that he's had 30 touches but hasn't hit 100. And it would have been the case today had he not had 12 tackles. So um, great result if you're running him, but don't think this is the end of the up-and-down form of Rory Laird because, again, the, the way that Adelaide is playing and moving the ball right now, it just doesn't favour kick mark. And, and Rory Laird has seemed to be the one who's copped it the most out of that in that, yeah, he, he's getting at least 16 handfuls a game. <laughs> it's just... It's really hindering his potential. So Josh Rochelle, so 102 points, but his first half was outstanding. Yeah, and he easily could have gone 120. I brought him in this week, so I was absolutely loving it. Um, purely, again, uh, I thought I'd take a gamble because, as I've touched on a few times across the podcast, I don't like trading in mid-prices that are, are not going to be there at the end of the year as top six forwards. But he was really good value. His break-even was around 40-ish. If you look at Sheasel and Zebel as defenders, he is a top six forward right now, Josh Rochelle. He's, he's better than Bailey Smith, and he's getting the midfield time. Like their best three midfielders are Laird, Dawson, and Rochelle. And that third spot rotates a fair bit, which is why we see him forward. But when he's forward, he kicks goals. So um, he was on track for a massive score today. And what basically happened was at half time, Connor Nash left Rory Laird and went to Josh Rochelle. And he didn't score enough in the third term. He, he disappeared, spent a lot of the time on the bench as he tried to shake that tag. And then he bobbed up right at the end to help get Adelaide over the line. So one or two, great result. It could have been even better. Um, and he's just consistently an 80-plus guy, which doesn't sound great, but it's actually really reliable in the current form of fantasy. We're not seeing players get consistently 80-plus. He feels like a safe F6. So um, great weekend. For yeah, him. I'm bullish on that as well. Um, I think uh, Lockie's role... Throughout the game and throughout the season, obviously, there as well, is that he'll hang in that centre square with regards to when Adelaide uh, transition that ball from D50 to F50, and he'll be in that centre square, and he will be used quite often. So if the opposition teams uh, do match up on him, he, he might be missed, but he's getting a stack of it through there in transition. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite bullish that he's going to be a, a top forward, um, hopefully somewhere around that top six, but, you know, he's going to be pretty close at least anyway. So the next one here, 131 from Sam Walsh. Uh, he was excellent against the Saints today. Uh, but, you know, the Saints just let the Blues just have a stack of it. And obviously the instruction system went over in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's firstly, it's really good to see Sam Walsh back at his best. He, he obviously returned last week from his back injury and already was their best midfielder in return. And, and then this week, he, he almost takes that next step to show, hey, I can still go 35-plus, which at times he was doing consistently last year. So... Uh, all of a sudden, he becomes an elite option because he just finds the footy. He's an incredible talent. 131, like that, that's incredible. And, you know, he's had a fair stack of marks in that to get there. But 
38 touches doesn't happen every day and then it feels like he can get there comfortably. And Patrick Cripps as well. I mean, um, you touched on the fact that, yeah, their midfielders ran a bit rampant, but he barely saw the ball in the first 10 minutes. Um, there was a little concern that, you know, was he going to be able to get to the 80 at times he's been struggling to get to? And uh, and then he just goes bang. <laughs> he turned it on as he does when he goes best and, and 34 touches in the end for seven tackles as well. Um, I guess having Walsh back in there, um, they're almost nearly full strength now. Like Hewitt's back. Shera's obviously rotating in there as well, and Akers returned last week. So it feels like that almost gives him free reign. You know, he doesn't have to get tagged all the time. He can play around the field and, and actually utilise the elite players around him because for so many years we knew Patrick Cripps is the guy who was carrying Carlton on his back and was injured because of it but also copped a lot of attention because of it. And now they've got this dynamic duo in the middle um, hopefully the 100-plus scores start to become more frequent because he, he was a little on and off in that first month without Walsh, but we've seen two really good performances now in consecutive weeks. Yeah, 125 once uh, for Patrick Cripps there, and I just think he's untaggable. Um, obviously went head-to-head a little bit there with Jack Steele today, uh, but I just think he's just too big and powerful for opposition taggers to get near him. So, you know, contested ball is his go. Um, won a fair bit of it today. He was quite excellent there as well. So on to the last game here. So Duke Miller goes down with a knee injury. And as of Sunday night, as we're recording this, we don't have a time frame on Miller. But it seems like, you know, no Anderson 102 points there today. So it seems like he could be a focal point there for quite a while. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the way that Tuke was carried off, the fact that he couldn't bend his leg and was almost clutching at the back of the knees is a worrying sign. Um, he had the hamstring issues in the preseason as well. So... There's going to be that concern about it. You know, is it a significant hamstring injury? We're just speculating, but I, I can't see him playing next week, and he's probably going to miss a fair bit of time. So, yeah, that, that makes Noah Anderson their best midfielder, which, um, yeah, is a massive result. Um, the final term, Matt Rowell had eight centre bounce appearances. He's obviously had a, a pretty solid year. He's averaging around the 90s and hasn't really dropped off, uh, but hasn't exploded either. Um, Swallow got a fair bit of midfield time, and Fiorini as well. He's another that... Uh, depending on how long Tug Miller is out, you can look at, because Fiorini historically has been a great scorer, but has never stayed in the 22 at any of the clubs that he's been at. So um, if Miller's out for, say, a couple of months, um, Fiorini could be a nice little option because he loves a little, you know, 25-plus disposal game and, and could be good value there. But, yeah, Noah Anderson could be one as well. Um, we've seen him go big. Um, if anything, his first month was a little deflating considering his preseason form. So... Um, maybe with Took Miller gone now and, and him as the focal point, he can start pushing towards you know 30 disposals a game. So it's yeah, it's a flat one for the Gold Coast Suns. Obviously, they got over the line against North in the end, but I think this season's another write-off for them. And one last one we're just going to talk about is here is Harry Sheasel. So 47 points today. He does start in defence, but Aaron Hall did return. We know uh, Sheasel was struggling with a thumb concern during a week. And he had a uh, leg hawk to deal with there as well. But, you know, we throw Hall and Zebel and Sheasel into that defence, and it sort of didn't really work for Sheasel early. So then he starts forward there at some stage during that game there as well, and that wasn't any good for him as well. Uh, did return back a little bit late in the game and picked up some points there. But, you know, he's, his salary was, was quite significant. But I just wonder... You know, is there going to be movement in there? Because you'd think Aaron Hall and Zebel would stay in defence and, and Sheasel might be time to sort of elevate and sort of expand on his role where he played his junior career and that is forward. So, which is no good for his fantasy scoring output. So, uh, it's a big watch and, and, I mean, 
I think I think few might actually be trading him out this week there. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating because I kind of saw him as a set and forget rookie. <laughs> you know how how enjoyable is that that we have someone that we start the year with that we don't even have to worry about moving. Um, and now it's that really awkward position. You know, you're right. There's going to be some people that move him on purely because he's actually going to lose money this week. His break even was 48 and he scored 47. But what happens if Aaron Hall gets injured again? He's credibly prone. He's on the, you know, the older side of elite footballers. So is he going to be there for the rest of the year? Probably not. And, um, I don't know if he is, you know, best 22 long term if Alistair Clarkson's looking at it that way for Aaron Hall. Um, it, it was a little frustrating to watch. I mean, Holman put some attention into Sheasel early as well, which didn't help. Um, and I'm a Jack Zebel owner, so I was kind of panicking with Hall taking a lot of the kick-ins. So it, it certainly disrupted a lot of how we saw North Melbourne. It, it felt like we kind of knew who the good scorers were. And the past couple of weeks, uh, I mean, more in particular this weekend, but I mean, you talk about a Luke Davies, Uniaki as well. They, they've just, yeah, they've gone from almost these, these great fantasy prospects to a, a really confusing, uncertain kind of, time frame of what to do with them. I mean, I think if we're going to have to wait and see what his break even is, but if Aaron Hall is named next week, yeah, Sheasel might start plummeting and maybe it is time to get off if you have the luxury to do it. Yeah, certainly is. Well, and that's part of the game, obviously. Unfortunately, part of it is injuries and the other part is actually just trying to analyse what teams are going to do. I agree with all your comments that Aaron Hall's not the answer long term and obviously the future is some stage throughout this year where Clarkson is just going to say, right, let's, let's put some games into some kids there. So, and one of those games, uh, one of those plays is actually uh, Sheasel and we know he's been a lead at half back, but yeah, he's, he was an elite junior forward. So, you know, he was the one to move. Uh, yeah, Holman did put it in some pretty close attention to him early. So uh, that's the one that Gold Coast did target. So, you know, does that happen every week? Um, possibly or possibly not if he does stay back. But, yeah, uh, moving forward is certainly no situation we want to be taking care of there. So, you know, I just wonder, like, it could be a definitive moment in the fantasy season for those who jump off early if his salary does start to plummet. And, um, you know, if he returns back to defence and, and the scores keep going there, it could be a definitive hold there as well. So just final thoughts there. Yeah, the one reason I I have a feeling that maybe he won't go back is, you look at someone like a Chase Jones. He was flung back by Adelaide because halfback you find a lot of the footy. It is an easier role. A lot of his points came from kick-ins. Um, it was amazing that he was averaging 30 touches, but maybe a part of that from Alistair Clarkson was let's put him down back so he can find his feet. And that's not where we want him long-term. And again, that's all just speculation, but... Um, maybe he's shown that he's ready for the big time now and, and they've decided, look, we've got Hall sitting there, so let's play him where we do want him eventually, which maybe is that half-forward role, um, which in which case, yeah, we're just not going to see the 100 scores that we were used to. And that's that's fine if he's you know an 80s player because, again, as I mentioned with Rochelle, as a forward option, 80s fine right now, but he's going to lose money. And if you move him on... You, you have a lot of money to work with from that. As a rookie, he's jumped up to the 700,000s, but um, all it takes is an Aaron Hall hamstring and you've made the wrong decision. And, and that's just, yeah, it's going to be so 50-50. I have no idea how that plays out. Um, and, yeah, you've got me thinking now already about what I'm going to do because this, this, well, the week doesn't finish till, well, the round doesn't finish till Tuesday night. So um, there's a bit of time to figure out what you want to do from here, but it almost feels like a luxury trade to move Sheasel at this stage. Yeah, it certainly is a forker and a road moment for the season because there will be some that just hold firm thinking he's going to go back uh, to defence and the scores are going to continue. But, you know, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm at the road where it's the end of the road. So um, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And obviously, you know, if you've you started off the season quite poorly, you might want to make a move off uh, to try and get a leg up. But, you know, those highly ranked coaches, just what do you do? Is it a hold? Is it a trade? And you've got to make some moves throughout the season. So this might be just one. Hmm. You know, I will say he's, he's 748 and he's not going to lose a lot of money this round. His break-even will be high next week. But worst-case scenario, he's not dropping under 700. So maybe he loses 30, 40K if he has another bad week. But maybe one more week just to see if the role stays the same. It probably wouldn't do a lot of harm for you considering how much you've already made on him. Mm. So uh, I may be leaning towards one more week. Yeah, there'll be those who are quite bullish and holding and uh, and seeing those scores come, come um, put up again. So... Yeah, and there'll be those who'll be bullish who will think that, you know, that's the end of the road. So I'm at the end of the road sort of feeling at this stage before we uh, get any further information or detail throughout the week and a potential role change or whatever his role is. And that's that's the one thing, I guess, that could come out through the week is that, you know, we'll be trying to obtain information from Clarko to say, you know, is he going to go forward more? And Clarko is definitive in saying, you know, he's going to spend most of his time back. Well, then there's probably a hold there as well. So I might flip back there as well. So, yeah, Thankfully, they play on Saturday. So at least we'll have a, a final team before, yeah. the, you know, the bounce on Thursday or Friday night. So, yeah, that's at least a good result. Yeah, so interesting scenario, and this is part of the fantasy, so you've got to work out what teams are doing so you can make the decisions there as well. All right, Aaron, so where are you located in your work this week? Uh, so you can find me at Aaron Bryans on Twitter. Obviously, we'll have SA Grandstand on Saturdays at 11. Tim Silvers is going to be our guest this week, which um, is a really exciting chat, obviously, with the state of the Crows right now. They've got Collingwood this coming weekend, which is a massive game on Sunday. I'm, I'm really looking forward to calling it. It concludes around 7, and... It feels like this massive blockbuster at the Adelaide Oval, which um, sometimes the, these Sunday fixtures end up surprising you with how they turn out. I mean, at the start of the year, you wouldn't have thought the Crows and the Magpies was a, a, a massive headline act. But, um, I mean, Adelaide, I understand that they you know, nearly lost it to Hawthorne on the road, but they didn't look their best. And they don't travel well. They are still quite young. And, and I just don't think they gave the Hawks the respect that they should have when they rocked up. So I wouldn't take too much out of that. I still think... Collingwood is the true test at home. That, that'll that show us, you know, they, they rolled Carlton. Sam Doherty said today that they're the best team that they've played this year. So um, I'm just really looking forward to it. I can't wait to call it. Yeah, but Adelaide will certainly be up for that game, I reckon. So, yeah, that's a big test for Collingwood, especially with the injury concerns there as well. All right, so you can find me at AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter, AFL Ratings and associated Twitter accounts there as well for a stack of information, and that's also aflratings.com.au as well. Well, Aaron, enjoy planning for this week, and, you know, I'll be interested to see how we went at the end of uh, Round 7 on that Harry Sheasel decision. Yes, uh, fingers crossed that um, regardless of whichever way we go, we, we have a clear understanding of what he's going to play by Friday night. Excellent. You enjoy your week. Thanks, mate.